Hello, this is Catherine Cunningham. Thank you for joining us for the Natural Intelligence Worldwide Podcast. In our rich and heart-centered conversation, Justin Adams, the new director of the Tropical Forest Alliance at the World Economic Forum, speaks about our vital need for a new human narrative. In this narrative, we remember our deep connection to nature. We realize that we're not separate from the natural world, nor are we separate from one another. In the same way, Pope Francis reminds us in Laudato Si that we have a stewardship responsibility to the natural world. As well, we have a human responsibility to one another to figure out ways for business, government, and communities to prosper and to regenerate our natural capital while ensuring we don't leave anyone behind. It's a tall order, but partnership is the key. It's going to require that we create new perceptions and physical boundaries of our human communities to include nature supply shed outside the city, wetlands that filter and clean our water, and forests that filter and clean our air. And that's not all. Forests, for example, literally stand in the nexus of our biodiversity, climate, and social justice challenges. Imagine, forests represent one-third of the climate solution. Forests naturally draw down carbon in its stem, needles, leaves, roots, and soil. Yet forests receive only 1% of the attention that other energy solutions to climate change receive. Forests hold 80% of the terrestrial biodiversity found on Earth, and 1.6 billion people live in and are dependent on the forest ecosystem and natural marketplace of goods for survival. Recognizing our dependence on nature to thrive, as many indigenous cultures already know, may hold the key to remembering our stewardship responsibility to protect and to conserve nature. Let's hear what Justin has to say. Justin, you have this amazing role at the World Economic Forum as the director of the Tropical Forest Alliance. Tell us about this. This is a new initiative here at the World Economic Forum and really important that we have a focus on nature as a solution and essentially not just the vulnerable culprit of our global problem. Thanks, Catherine. It's, it's great to be here. It's been such an inspiring week on so many levels, but I am really honoured and humbled to be taking on the directorship of the Tropical Forest Alliance at this time because we're talking about issues such as climate change, we're talking about issues such as biodiversity, we're talking about issues such as social justice. All of those things come together in the tropical forests. Our forests hold so much carbon. They are the answer to at least a third of the climate solution and yet they receive about 1% of the attention that energy does. So we need the energy transition, but we cannot solve climate change without our forests. Our tropical forests, or our forests globally, hold 80% of the biodiversity, the terrestrial biodiversity on Earth, the infrastructure that makes life on this beautiful planet possible. Most of that is held in our forests, and then we have incredible rich diversity in our oceans as well, and all of these things are connected and hundreds of millions of people, 1.6 billion people, actually still live and are dependent on the forest. That's where they live. And yet, we are losing our forests at still an alarming rate. 2016, 2017 were record years of forest loss. So the Tropical Forest Alliance was set up to work with governments, to work with businesses because we know supply chains and agricultural products such as palm oil, soybeans, cattle 
are driving so much of the destruction of forests. In fact, we know that about 50% of forest loss is driven by large-scale commodity production. So we know that we have to work together. So the TFA, the Tropical Forest Alliance, has been created to bridge and build partnership between private sector, government and civil society. We know it's a critical issue, but we also know we can't solve it on our own. And so we need radical new forms of collaboration. And that's why I've joined. So the TFA was actually set up a couple of years ago. We've done the analysis. We've built the infrastructure for the TFA. But now we need to take it to a whole new level. And that means catalyzing real action in landscapes where we can demonstrate how working together in partnership we can actually turn the tide on deforestation. Let's talk about partnership because some would say it's the most important sustainable development goal, number 17. It's really important who you know, is in the room when you're making such decisions about how to, let's say, advance the New Deal for Nature, which is what we were launching here tonight. Are you inviting to the table those livestock companies, agriculturalists, the palm oil production companies? Are these the voices that are at the table? So you really They're, they're essential have to have at the to... table. I think partnership is, you can't say it's the most important goal because, you know, all of the goals are so important. But without partnership, we can't advance most of the goals. So it cross-cuts, it underpins our ability to deliver against sustainable development goals. And yet partnership is actually quite elusive. Right? We know some forms of partnership work, right? Marriages you know, is a form of partnership. Mm-hmm. But anybody who's married knows there's ups and downs in partnership in, in the marriage. But if you have that, if you have a strong partnership, you can talk honestly and talk through problems and figure out a path forward. But trust is essential for any partnership, and any partnership requires work. I mean, one of my favorite sayings is the African proverb that if you want to go fast, you go alone. But if you want to go far, you go together. And so what we need to do, and we're, we're a society that's been in such of a hurry, mainly to make money, mainly driven by the current form of capitalism, dominates the planet and the narrative that we are all living in, the paradigm that we all see and, and live every day. But we've got to be able to go together because if we don't go together and just the few continue to prosper at the expense of the many, if humanity continues to prosper at the expense of nature, we haven't got a long-term future. Maybe for our children, but not for our grandchildren. The science is clear. We have to act now and we have to do it today and we can only do it in partnership. So that's why it's important. But it's not easy. We've got to surrender ego, got to recognize where somebody is better placed to drive an initiative in one place compared to another organization. Got to recognize where private sector needs to step up and can step up, but also what the limits of private sector action are. So we had a bunch of private sector companies, the Consumer Goods Forum actually made a pledge to take deforestation out of their supply chains by 2020. They made that pledge in 2010. And some of the companies are doing extraordinarily well. Many companies haven't done very much. Now, are they doing extraordinary well on meeting their commitment? And are they also doing extraordinary well because they've innovated and the, the two are The two are related. The challenge is, so, so that some of the leaders, Unilever, Nestle, right, they're not perfect. Right? There are still challenges. There's enormous complexity, as you think, huge complexity in their supply chains, multiple supply chains, multiple geographies. But they've really made strong advances, particularly in transparency, to understand where their products are coming from. 
with some innovative finance, with inclusion schemes, working with smallholders in many of these places. And so we have got examples of success, but we also know that in most of these places we're still losing forest because they are only one actor in a complex landscape. So what we're moving towards is actually how we can bring many actors together and critically the government to be able to form partnerships in a landscape. So you can form partnerships at the global level. You end up having lots of nice talk. What matters is partnership on the ground in a geography, in a landscape with district governments, with the companies, with the local reps of companies, not the headquarters of the companies. And often capabilities are much, much lower. But it's how we build partnerships there that's going to be so important in terms of the long term. It's fascinating that we may have a global framework, but actually it always comes down to the watershed or that ecosystem, that tribe, that local community that needs to have the, the voice and the, the leadership. And we may be thinking globally, creating framework globally in this globalization 4.0, but how much of the work is actually local? It runs both ways. So you do need top-down, you need the frameworks, you need the UN conventions that guide all of the action. And I think we've made a lot of progress at that level. But if you haven't then got the bottom-up, if you haven't got the local partnerships, the local action, we will stall. And I think that's also why things take longer. And it takes longer, but we are. I, am, I have just written a piece a few days ago, five reasons to be optimistic about reversing the tide on deforestation. And I genuinely believe that we are at a, we are at a turning point mm-hmm. where we can start to change our relationship with Mother Nature. We can start to change our relationship with the Earth and start to reverse deforestation. And that gives me real passion and real hope. But it's got to be about the people in the landscapes. And in the same way as we think about cities and city transformation, we have to think about landscapes and landscape transformation. And the challenge of the landscape is you haven't got a mayor in many of these places, or maybe you have several mayors, but that mayor certainly doesn't have anything like the resources of the city of New York or the city of London, the city of Mumbai, and to bring the resources that are needed to drive the transformation. We're talking about rural populations who produce most of the food, who are the guardians for so much of our environmental services that we take for granted, clean water, clean air. But we take that for granted, and it's the rural populations in most of the world who are feeling so left behind by globalization. So if we're going to make globalization work, we've got to make it work for those rural populations. Therefore, we've got to build sustainable landscapes. And the most important thing, we can talk about climate, we can talk about a new deal for nature. If we are not putting people at the center of that, we will fail. And if the gilets jaunes, if the populism that we're seeing on the rise across Europe and around the world, if we're not learning the lessons of putting people first, and particularly those who have been disadvantaged by the globalization wave, then we will fail. How is it that we can't reimagine maybe our urban landscapes as really connected to these rural landscapes? Like you said, that provide us all the resources we need to fuel our human landscapes within the urban environment. Perhaps maybe a rethinking of the way that we design our artificial, in a way, lines around a city. Maybe, I mean, can we then start thinking about an urban landscape as truly 
a part of the larger natural landscape that surrounds it. I think that's a great idea. I don't think there's been really any thought or certainly not enough thought as to how you make that work and how you do connect urban populations, the elite, often more educated populations to actually connect back into the landscape. But I think it's really important to understand the supply shed. Where's the food, the water, air come from that we right. that we take for granted? Right. So I think that's, that's part of the narrative that we've got to be building. You talked about where and how we shape that narrative. We desperately need a new narrative. And I think the most important thing as we shape a new narrative is that we stop this separation between ourselves as humans, as homo sapiens, and nature. In most indigenous populations don't have a separate word for nature because right. it isn't separate. We're just an integral part. We are one part of the complex web of life. And yet European thought, white thought, for hundreds of years has created this separation. So even the environment is a separation, is somehow a, a, an arm's length relationship between the natural world and ourselves as humans. How do we recreate that narrative so the human plus nature connection is is the protagonist? I think it starts with education. I think it starts with our children, our youth. But what kind um, of education? I mean, this that, is it. That we, we are about. that we are absolutely interconnected to all of nature, to all of life on Earth. And if we destroy other life forms, if we destroy forests as we are we destroy our atmosphere or we destroy our atmosphere's ability to protect us and keep us at this sort of Goldilocks temperature that we've enjoyed through 18,000 years of the Holocene. If we destroy that, we destroy our ability to thrive and prosper as humanity. So we have to start realizing that in destroying nature, we're actually destroying ourselves or certainly our future as a species or a species that can thrive and prosper in the way that we have over the last few hundred years. How important is the, the intergenerational message? How important is it for us to look back to our own cultural heritage and our own stories? I mean, you mentioned you know, the indigenous peoples and so many of the people that I know that are indigenous and are connected, they've they have stories still. They still have this experiential connection and they also have a, a cultural connection to the natural world. How do we get that back? I think it's very difficult because indigenous populations have oral traditions that have passed white European colonization has done its darndest to eradicate most of that indigenous knowledge and tradition. But where it survived and where it's prospered, then there are oral traditions that pass it down. They still refer to their original instructions and that deeper sense of connection to the earth. And I think Jane Goodall actually talked this morning at our community session. Jane talked about the deep spiritual connection when she lived in the forest with the chimpanzees for so long that you can't move away from that, that there is something beyond ourselves. And I think, and this goes beyond the realm of most normal economic or business thinking or anything else, but I think until European or white colonized mindsets can actually start to remember our, our deep interconnection 
with nature, then we've forgotten that we have that stewardship responsibility and we haven't got the oral traditions that indigenous peoples can draw on. What I find interesting is that you have somebody like Pope Francis with Laudato Say, where he actually reminds us or, or actually points out some of the misinterpretation of original Hebrew scripture, where Hebrew words which were translated as mankind will have dominion over the earth. So actually a translation that is more, we have a stewardship responsibility to the earth. And perhaps in that is the insight from which we can build that gives me some hope for the future, that we can remember that relationship. But however it comes, whether it's spiritual awakening, whether it's religious tradition, whether it's through the economic awakening of business leaders, if we don't reimagine or remember our deep interconnection to nature, we're not going to be able to re-establish a different relationship with nature. And it's really a remembering because it's inherent within ourselves. It really feels as if it's about getting back to our true selves. In fact, the Italians would call it our natura vera. We are of this earth. We are a part of the natural world to such an extent that it's inescapable. I don't know how we get to this this point of remembering, but I have a good sense, as Jane Goodall did, to go out on a walkabout, in a sense, into a natural environment that really calls you seems to be one of the, the keys to unlocking I think it is, and I think that connection. also talks to the importance of bringing nature into cities. It talks to the importance of people yes. getting out into nature. And I think we also need to be realistic that many people are more worried about the food they eat, right? It's not just for the privileged few who can sort of take the time to study the latest kind of meditation techniques from India. You know, it's got to be for the all. And perhaps, you know, and again, this is where the intergenerational shift may come, that, you know, we are approaching an emergency on so many levels that people are waking up at Davos this year. It's not right in the front and centre, but you can't avoid how nature and climate and oceans and forests are an absolutely integral part of the whole conversation. So it's changing. It's just not changing fast enough. But maybe we reach a tipping point. I mean, who would have thought 20 years ago that you walk into bars or pubs in New York or London and nobody's smoking? Who would have thought that gay marriage and the celebration of LGBT and that same-sex couples can be married and celebrated in so many parts of the world? Who would have thought that? That comes from a cultural shift, and I think that's the tipping point we need to aim for. Is it really not now about adaptation, but almost the evolution of our of our society? And to your point on time, if we look at the time dimension, it's true that when we work together, we move a bit slower, but in a way, we don't have that luxury of time. So how is it that we can move together but move faster. Well, I think the, you know, the incredible thing around the pace of change, the, particularly what digitization is enabling, and I even look at my children and how they interact with the world, how much information they have, that digital revolution gives us an opportunity to be connected and to think and act fast in a way that we couldn't have imagined when we were children. So that is sort of an accelerant and a speed, but there's got to be a heart element to that, because if we really want to have partnership, it's ultimately about heart. It's about yes. being able to connect. 
human to human. It's about being able to back your own ego down to be able to listen and to partner and to recognize there are different perspectives and that your perspective, your worldview is only one version of the truth. And so I think it's going to be about a blending of those two things and it's not about either or. It will be about both ends. If there was one way to summarize this get me so far off I know but it's wonderful because your true humanness is is coming through and I think you know that's what tonight was all about listen we've we've dedicated our professional lives to this path and there must be something more than just the work itself that we love I mean we we're truly in love with the natural world and we've grown up with the great privilege and opportunity to have explored in different ecosystems. Like children, as David Attenborough said, live with wonder and joy and just really be filled with that awe-inspiring. So I've never lost that. And I've been so privileged to be able to experience the world and its beauty and splendor in so many different ways. But probably the biggest shift for me in the last decade, last few years, has been I can love nature all I want. But actually, this is about loving each other. This is about connecting human to human. This is about empathizing with the people that we've left behind. This is about figuring out how we can all prosper. And so for me, the shift has been I can fall in love with nature all I like. And this has been what's driven the environment movement for the last 50 years. If you don't put humans back in the center of all of this, we fail. I love that the human face is is coming to the forefront of that we're focusing on the human-human connection. It's a human nature and the human-human connection that's needed. And maybe the human-machine connection can help us amplify those relationships to a greater pace and scale. I couldn't agree more. The potential of humans is extraordinary. The potential to destroy, but also the potential to regenerate and to create and to build, to restore our relationship with nature and to enable humanity to prosper for centuries to come. That's our gift. That's that's within our gift if we dedicate ourselves to do that. And that's one of the things that gives me hope. And it's what drives me every single day. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Justin. What a fabulous conversation. I don't know how we ended up. I know, but isn't that great? Thank you for listening to our Natural Intelligence Worldwide Podcast where we're committed to spotlighting intuitive vision, nature-inspired knowledge, and native wisdom in our world. You can find us at naturalintelligence.com forward slash worldwide. There, we have a growing portfolio of podcasts with world leaders on nature, sustainability, climate, and tech for good. Thank you for awakening natural intelligence in the world. Have a beautiful day.